Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an eager endoscopic, exhaustive analysis at the end of an exasperating year. This week, we'll say goodbye to 2020 in the company of a published football author and one of the star writers of the first four ACN fanzines. To us, they're Lorne and Maddie. We'll recap on the first couple of bad results for a while and then play an extended quiz to sail into 2021 on a jaunty breeze. Maddie, starting with you, we've played two games of football in a row without winning. Do we need to make lots of jokes about too much turkey and eggnog? I, for one, am throwing all of my toys out of the pram and having a massive panic. You know, it's horrible. <laughs> How could we do this? But no, I think if you look at the team, you can see exactly what's going on. We're lacking that crucial number 10 at the moment. You've got Marco Stieperman, who had some fantastic performances against uh, Bristol and Stoke, I think it was. And then he, he scored against Swansea. But obviously, he's come down with that ear infection. So we haven't got a proper number 10. We've got Mario Vrancic, but... I think, like a lot of people, I don't really think he's effective as a number 10. I much prefer to see him in that deep-lying role where he can be more creative and have more of the ball. You can't rely on him too much to make those runs into the box that Pookie needs, that Stevenman does. And it was really refreshing to have Stevie back and to see him have that connection with Pookie and Buendia and even Josh Martin to an extent. I thought they linked up really well. So I reckon... What Farker's plan at the moment is, is for some of the players who've been out longer, like Dowell and Kintyre and that, he's resting them and waiting for the cup game to give them the full 90 minutes in a game that perhaps doesn't matter so much. But then I suppose, you know, the FA Cup and its importance is a, bit, is a debate for another time. But I think once Dowell is up to full fitness and once Steepy recovers with whatever's going on in his ears, we'll be back firing fit and we'll be giving out the thrashing to a team that we've been threatening for a long time. I think that's a, a couple of very fair points there. Steepy was one of the main reasons that we we started to look very eighteen nineteen recently, um, and and yeah, I think he, his 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 presence is definitely missed. I think some of his some of our ability to go through the gears and go down again through the gears. I actually think that is bought by Steepy. I think uh, he he's very good at uh, okay. I'm going to immediately put a ball around the corner to Pookie, or, or actually no, I'm going to play a, a pass right back to our right back to kind of calm things down because we're we're actually one up and you know let's dictate the tempo. So I think we I think he brings us that kind of maturity um, in the final third. Um, what, what about you, Lorne? What was the what's the, been the kind of worst bit of bedwetting you've seen since we've um, you know only got a point and we're still only top of the league by five points? Well, I think any bedwetting when you're top of the league by five points at this stage of the season is unnecessary bedwetting. Um, I'll say something quite controversial, but I watched the Watford game without any sound on, so I didn't hear any of the commentary or any of the the kind of talking around the game. And I didn't look at Twitter during the game because I was watching it slightly delayed. And I genuinely felt that we didn't play that badly. I thought we were well worth a point from the game, and it was just one of those games where... We didn't really take our chances. They took their chance. And I didn't see it as being this awful performance that I then saw on Twitter that everyone else kind of felt that it was. And then I think similar from yesterday, really. We played really nice football. We could have scored four or five goals. We didn't. We were lucky in the end not to lose it, but we could have won it 4-0. And look, if you'd said to us at the start of the season, on the back of how we were after uh, the project restart, that we'd be top of the league, or even in the top six, you'd absolutely take it, given we're on such a downer. So to be top by five points with the injuries that we've had, like that has to be celebrated. Especially, uh, John, if you think about the the Cardiff game, which we ended up winning 2-0, I think we controlled large possessions, large periods of the game and played some, some really nice possession football last night. Um, and it really wasn't, to me... 
I thought performance wise, it was it was a two nil it was a two nil home win performance. Like it wouldn't have flattered us at all if that was it. The, yes, we were lucky. That the term kind of we were lucky to people seem to have be really hung up on this miss in the last minute of the game, where yes, technically logistically we we did just not kind of end up losing um, all three points and, and go home with nothing. Um, but that that's kind of just one tiny little moment in the entire game when actually. Um, if the if the referee was better, um, and if uh, our our own chance taking was better, and a couple of times, for example, Emmy played balls over the top to Toddy in the first half, and it bounced sort of towards the keeper rather than back towards Toddy when it so easily could have kind of spun backwards. We we were so close to several opportunities last night, and they they you know they took one of their two chances and didn't take their other one. We battered them effectively, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I I was only able to watch the second half from last night, and from what I've read from from all of social media, it seems that QPR were a lot livelier um, during the first forty five and, and created a couple of of pretty presentable opportunities, or, or certainly were knocking on the door. But actually, yeah. from what I saw, um, we were absolutely the dominant force. We had a shot cleared off the line. We had what appeared to be, and I, you know, we won't go into the intricacies of of the officiating, I guess, but you know, what appeared. To, to my eye, to be a perfectly legitimate goal that that was chalked off, um, and Puki had a couple of, of really good chances as well. So I don't think there's an awful lot to worry about. And if you put it in the one, the wider context that that Lorne touched on, in so much as actually look where we are and look where we probably thought we'd have been at the end of the year, um, you know, kind of from the start of the season when we were all quite gloomy, it's amazing. You know, this this Norwich City side and the way in which Farker has picked these guys up and rejuvenated the squad um, is quite something, you know, and I, I think because it's happened gradually, we're not quite appreciating how good a job the management team at, at, at Carrow Road have done. But also the, the matches we've lost, um, you know, Watford have got the, I think they've still got the best home record in the division. We lost to Bournemouth away. Uh, we got a point, at, you know, kind of at Brentford away. You know, The games where we've dropped points, you know, apart from maybe Luton, and, and then there's plenty of mitigation around injuries for that one. Actually, you know, they've been to decent sides. There's not an awful lot to worry about for me. Um, I actually, weirdly enough, I say that in in the by the same token, I'm slightly worried about Barnsley um, purely because I think they've been bang in form of late, and and that will be a real test for us. Um, and obviously, it depends who plays in goal. That's that's the worry for me at the moment is if Michael McGovern's injured for an extended period of time, we don't quite know what's going on with Tim Krull's injury there's some suggestion that they might rush him for the weekend I don't think they will and they'll play Daniel Barden um that's a lot for for a kid to be taking on you know that kind of responsibility at championship level for a side that are are top of the league um he was fine last night but he had nothing to do the the weird thing about that though is that actually he's probably well he's almost definitely an upgrade on Michael McGovern in terms of his kicking um but we don't know about his shot stopping ability yet so um I guess we'll find out on Saturday. I think it might, it might play into our hands that Barnsley are on form because as, as obviously Mayday touched on it earlier, there's this sort of sense that we're due to thump somebody. And I think we are in terms of how we're playing and the chances we're creating. But we're playing, especially at home, we're playing teams that just sit all 11 men behind the ball and play for a draw and try and stop us from playing. And when you play those teams, unless you score really early and maybe even score a couple really early so they have to come out, you're not going to beat a team like that 4-0. If you get a team like Barnsley, who have struggled, but are on a good run of form at the moment, they may be more inclined to come out and have a go at us, and that will suit us. 
But let's right. let's look at let's look at that good run, right? They they they've, they're up to eighth after four league wins in five. But if you've actually taken a look at who who those wins have come against, Wickham, Sheffield Wednesday, who are now managerless, Preston and Rotherham, right? So like the last time they've played anyone good was Swansea and Bournemouth. Who oh, put so six, no, Preston six have been them. Preston have been kind of pretty decent, I think, um, of late. Yeah, they've still, really picked up of late. That's a decent win to beat the Preston side at the minute. But, but yeah, I'm I'll take your point on the other ones. Here full of confidence. But I mean, oh no, I'm not saying I'm not saying they won't be full of confidence, Lorne. But I, I just think we we need to temper the. Oh my goodness, Barnsley are going to come. Oh, what are we going to do? Um, like, yeah, you know, no, they... I think I think it's more <clears throat> for me. It, the the more is I worry that they come in form, and we've got a goalkeeper with no experience who's potentially going to have to play a full ninety. And and we said it on this pod before that Tim Krull just instills confidence in the back four in front of him and. You know, I think we're going to have to make changes in the back four as well. I th- you know, there's no way Zimmerman can can play again. You know, kind of against Barnsley, I just I just don't see how, you know, his position in the in the defence is is tenable. Um, you know, kind of, and we're probably going to have to look at Sorrenton because teams have started to target him and and all right, he really struggled against Watford. I thought he was probably our poorest player. You can't blame the lad. He's been playing at you know out of position for for weeks. And he was coming up against a, you know, what was probably a twenty-seven million pound player, and you know the ball was being dinked over him for for that twenty-seven million pound player to to kind of run onto and, and to wreak havoc. Um, so we're going to have to bring Kintia back in, and, and you'd hope that gives us a more settled backline in front of an inexperienced goalkeeper. But Tim Krull simply cannot come back quick enough. Well, just to update what we said earlier, I say we, what I said earlier was at the start of the day or the end of yesterday's, you know, calamitous draw at home to QPR. We were five points. So it's now after Brentford's win today against Bournemouth, uh, we're recording this on the 30th Wednesday. Um, We are now three points clear, but that's three points clear of a team who have played the same number of games. And obviously Bournemouth now with that loss um, have kind of spoiled one of their games in hand. So they're six points off us with um, with the game in hand. So, I mean, you know, it, again, I, I always think if you go back to the old adage of, you know, would we snap someone's hand off on, in in August for for this? It's too right we would. You know, we've got we've got a healthy little cushion. Mm. Um, and and on on the one of the things I saw with regards to the um, the, the, the the nerviness, um, I get that it, we've got very high standards in this league. Um, it, you know, in recent memory, and there's a recency bias there. But the I would be concerned if. If 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 for example, Pookie wasn't scoring and we were scraping goals because McLean was getting one, Sorensen was getting one, um, you know, Steepy was having to step. Do you see what I mean? Like if 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 the if if we weren't winning in a convincing fashion when we did win, but yes, we we had that four or five two ones in a row or whatever. We we looked comfortably better than two one in all of those games, and it, and Pookie is getting the goals. Pookie's in double figures. He looks like Team Pookie again. Um, and so, whilst that's whilst that's the case again with the with the injuries that there's been behind him, basically in almost every position. Well, no, it has been every position, hasn't it? You know, I think I think we we're, we're looking really positive. So I'm I'm confident of I'm confident of a bounce back against Barnsley purely because it is only a matter of time until we get one of those goals slightly earlier and, and then kick on. I thought the way that they came out second half last night when we were a bit slower first half than we were second half we didn't play really that differently we just did it a lot faster um and QPR that was the difference between them being you know relatively comfortable first half without really doing anything impressive and they got one all right player in chair and other than that they look very average um and also I I took a look at half time um which, which I which I've started doing more often now um 
in in the iFollow games. And I can't wait to just go back to watching football properly. But um, I looked at the QPR hashtags to see what you know what their opinion was. None of them thought that they were playing really well. They were all really worried. And um, uh, is it uh, Kane, Todd, Todd Kane, Tom Kane, their right back? Um, boy, do they dislike him. Like they're just like, oh, the guy can't. They, they were there was like a counter of how many passes in a row he he played wrong. Um, and I, I sometimes think that it you, it can sometimes be a slightly better measure of how good a performance Norwich are giving by how concerned the opposition are. If you see what I mean, because um, then you can kind of take your yellow and green specs off, and obviously you assume that the opposition are generally going to try, try and try and be positive. But anyway, m- m- moving past moving past uh, Barnsley, you touched on it, Maddie. So I'll bring you back in on on the the Coventry FA Cup tie. Um, there's no harm in having a a little debate about it. Um, would you? We're top of the league. It very much looks like promotion is a possibility this season. What kind of team do you pick for the cup? I think. If we were going into this cup tie with a fully fit squad, and you know, at the very start of the season, we looked at that squad and we thought that's jam packed. How are, how are we ever going to keep that many players happy? Then I'd say, yep, yeah, go really strong. Let's have a cup run. We we're off the back of a fantastic cup run. It's going to do wondrous things for everybody. At the moment, we've got so many players coming back from injury, so many players who are nursing potential knocks, who have played game after game after game in a really short period of time. I would like to see a younger team with perhaps Hugh Gill, um, Omar on Omar getting some chances, players who haven't really played that much. I'd also like to see, I mean, I know you were just talking about Sorensen. I would like to see him given a chance in the FA Cup in his natural role, because mm. I think, you know, he's been really good at left back. And yes, he did look out of his depth at Watford and he's perhaps tailing off now. So we haven't really had a chance to see what he can do in his normal position. So, even though perhaps we're not going to go full strength and we're not going to gun it out and do whatever we can to beat Coventry, I think it's going to be a really interesting game to perhaps get a look at some of those youngsters who we've only seen make cameo appearances. And also Sorensen is definitely going to be the one I'm keeping my eye on for that game, I think. Lonnie? Yeah, I'd agree with Maddie. Other than I wouldn't necessarily play the youth, but I'd definitely use this as the chance to get minutes into legs that need some minutes. So you'd give Barden a game for the experience. You'd give Kintyre a game to get some fitness back. I'd probably uh, bring Gibson back in um, again just to get some minutes in his legs. I'd like to see Sorensen in midfield. Hugel is a definite starter, I would say. Um, yeah, I'd use it to get people back to full fitness and to give rests to people where we can. So obviously Pookie, you'd sit out. Emmy, you'd sit out. Um, but I'd still go fairly strong, I think. It's just we've got such a good squad, as Maddie alluded to. We've got so many good players and now that they are starting to come back I'd use this as an opportunity to play a strong team but one that needs the minutes rather than uh, go all out and Punt who is it that you think uh, hasn't made that big a impact this season that might actually um, we, we might actually be hanging promotion success upon come May you know who is it that you think um, hasn't had a chance through injury or um, selection so far that you you really want to get that lucky break and get a run of of, of games in the side. I think you probably look at the strikers. Um, you know, com- compared to previous times that we've been promoted, Norwich have, have generally been pretty free scoring. You know, you, you think about o three o four and Huckabee and Crouch and you know Mackenzie and Svensson. Uh, you know, and then you, you know you go further along and you you know you've got Alex Neal sides with. Cameron Jerome, Lewis Graben, really, you know, chipping in with loads of goals. Wes, you know, kind of involved in that as well. 
it's pretty much Puki and Buendia that are scoring the goals at the moment. And that concerns me um, if, you know, one of them gets injured or, or actually Puki's form just dries up. So you're really looking at, it's going to be, for me, if everyone's fit, Adam Eder is probably second pick in terms of strikers. But um, Jordan Hugel is the one that, you know, came with a, a transfer fee, came with um, with a reputation. And you kind of want to start finding a way to to get a tune out of him without compromising the style of football that we play. It's interesting, you know, listening to QPR fans um, before he joined. And they were all suggesting that actually he could fit into a football inside and, and actually Rangers under um, Mark Warburton were a relatively decent football inside. I think we probably saw a little bit of that last night. It was not like they were kick and rush. They, they were trying to play the game and they they were suggesting that Hugill can make some of the runs that, that Pookie makes. He just needs minutes. It's So I think, you know, it's a real... You know, it's a really good opportunity for Jordan Hugel to get 90 and to to hopefully prove what he can do because we're going to need a second and possibly third striker that's going to get get you know between five and ten goals between now and the end of the season um, to really kind of kick us on. I think the other nice thing about the the draw being Coventry, obviously, it's a bit boring when you see it come out of the hat uh, Championship side at home, but Coventry are fighting relegation this season. They're not going to play their strongest side, but they are a championship side. So it's not like you're playing Hugel against a League Two side and he scores two goals and you can't really read anything into it. They're a side at our level. So it's a really good opportunity to benchmark where some of these players are. It's time to look back over 2020. um, And we're going to start that uh, with with the obvious uh, award that needs to go at the end of any period of time, which is the the kind of player of that period of time. So we're going for a player of a calendar year rather than of the season. Um, and I'm going to give each of you um, 30 seconds to make a campaign for, for, for your guy, the person that you think um, deserves to be, um, when we look at the, the wonderful year that has been 2020, uh, who deserves the ACM Player of 2020 Award? Maddie, I'm going to come to you first. So your time starts now. You can't really make an argument for anyone other than Tim Krull, Player of the Season in 2019-2020. Without him, I think we'd have been even more embarrassed in the Premier League and he's made a brilliant start back to life in the Championship, especially when you consider the time he started his Norwich career. He didn't have a fantastic time of it and he'd had terrible injuries leading up to now, but he's really come back and you can see just how important he is to the team by how we've been playing without him. So yeah, Tim Krull for me. With time to spare, that's a, that's very very succinct. Um, I will come to you next, uh, John Punt. So thirty seconds if you need it. I mean, Maddie didn't uh, on <laughs> on who you think it should be and why. Starting now, I think um, you can only really look at the player that that Barcelona wanted to sign over the summer, and that would be Point. young Max Ahrens. Um, when have Norwich City ever had a player that's been linked with Barcelona? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. The the last link I can think of would be, you know, a player coming the other way, which was Goran Maric. But in all seriousness, this kid has got 100 appearances under his belt um, by, the, by the time that he's 20 years old. He's probably technically the best right back that I've ever seen for Norwich City Football Club. He's composed. You look at all of that transfer speculation over the summer, his head probably was turned you know he was seriously tempted he's talked about it on record but actually he was professional enough to be able to get his head down and to continue to play for the side he's so important for the way in which we play because Emi Buendia and Todd Cantwell want to occupy spaces and play in a a rather narrow way in the center of the field Aaron's offering that width is absolutely massive for us so 
I just don't think you can look beyond him. He's a phenomenal footballer and one that, you know, when he does go and he will go, I think we, we're going to need serious money to prize him away. Well, that was a minute and 10, but it was a beautiful minute and 10, so I let it roll. And also because Melly didn't use all her time. Um, so very, very strong case so far for, for Cruel and, and Maxi. Uh, Lorne, 30 seconds or up to a minute and 10 seconds, if you like, on your candidate. Off you go. I think I'm going to use even less time than Maddie because I'm going to say Emmy Buendia. And the reason I'm going to say Emmy Buendia is nobody misses Wes. That's all you need to say. I, I miss Wes. Yeah, I, I, do, do you mean technically? I mean, because I miss I miss him as a, I miss him as a bloke in in the team. Well, yeah, obviously we all would have Wes back, but Emmy Buendia <laughs> has filled. <laughs> Emmy Buendia, your argument, argument is shit. I've just shit on my argument. Obviously, I would have him back, but obviously you'd have him back, but you wouldn't have him back instead of Emmy. Uh, I'll tell you what, Lorne, I miss you because of this utter nonsense. <laughs> I only, I need, to, I only need to make one statement and I don't agree with it. Because <laughs> Europe all over again. I want to Oh, dear, dear me. Uh, no, okay. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that the Mad, Maddie's probably Maddie's probably on onto a winner with with Cruel from a from a kind of overall narrative point of view. In that, you know, coming back from the serious knee injury getting back into the the, the the Dutch squad and playing proper games for them against Mexico and the like. Um, and and what a fantastic guy he seems, you know, what a great, I mean, you know, we've, we've had the, 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 the good fortune to spend a bit of time with him and, you know, he really is, he really does seem to be a great Norwich guy. Um, but again, with, with you, John, I mean, he's he's played almost every minute in this year, you know, it just, which is at his age and for his, consistency levels to be that high um is bonkers i mean even if he didn't have any transfer speculation to have that kind of level of consistency takes a mindset that we shouldn't have been surprised that there was no head turning going on from in terms of his performance because he hasn't shown us any kind of mental lacks of concentration you know there's maybe been a couple of mistakes in the whole calendar year like very very rarely when we were conceding embarrassing goals in the Premier League where we kind of go and oh Max do you see what I mean that what didn't tend to be him that, that was kind of switching off and um so I think that's a great shout and 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 I, pro- I probably would have said Emmy before there was any arguments <laughs> but I, I just I just think that now by saying Wes you've just made me go yeah he's not as good as Wes though is he not so, five days ago, you were saying he was technically better than Wes. I think, yeah, no, I think he, and I'd, I'd back that up. He is technically better than Wes. He is, but Wes I think he's technically the best. Yeah, I, I think I think Wes is is, is yes. Yeah, so like like Maddie said a few days ago, I I I came to the, I came to the conclusion myself that now I'm I'm willing to accept that the the best player I've ever seen in Norwich shirt from a f- pure footballing ability point of view has now changed from Wes to Emmy. Um, there yeah, are still that's elements. My argument. There are still, <laughs> there are still just, elements. Say that we, if you're making the argument, mate. Then, mate, then just yeah, say that, it. That say wouldn't that. have, that, we wouldn't have laughed as much of you. You said that. Having said that, um, there are elements of there are elements of him that are still infuriating, um, and um, I can't say that about cruel. There are no elements of him that I find infuriating. Max goes over a little bit easily, um, but hey, you know that's it's part. You could say it's part of the modern game. So, yeah, I think I think I will I will I'll uh, plump for for punt and, and agree and, and give my casting vote to to Max as the the player of twenty twenty for for, for ACN. Um, but now let's think about something specific. Um, Lorne, come to you first because your arguments are flawless. 
What's been your most memorable Canary moment of 2020? I think memorable in a number of ways, not all of them pleasant, but the first game back as Project Restart when we had Southampton at home, that first sort of moment as they, the teams came out of the tunnel and we weren't there and then the game started and it was just silent and eerie and horrible. Um, I think that will live with me for quite a while. I think I've kind of become immune to it now, but that first sort of half an hour, I would say, because the other thing about that was the first 15 minutes, I thought we played quite well and Tom Tribal had a really good chance and had we gone 1-0 up, things might have been very different, but as soon as Southampton scored, that whole sort of feeling of just utter dejection that then lingered right the way through the rest of the Premier League campaign um, will be, I think, a perfect sort of summation of what 2020 has been like. Maddie, give us a canary moment of 2020. I'd say the moment I enjoyed the most was obviously the Spurs Cup game. You just can't look past that as one of the best moments of my life, let alone best moments of 2020. I think the most Norwich moment, the peak Norwich moment, was probably when we came back after Project Restart and, you know, there were hopes were high and we were thinking, maybe we can avoid this, maybe we can get out of this. And Daniel Farker sat down for his press conference and started going, so-and-so's injured, so-and-so's injured, Sam Byram's out for four months, (laughs) we've got a centre-back crisis, and you're just thinking, oh, fantastic, here we go again. So I would say that you just couldn't get more Norwich than having months off due to a pandemic, getting ready to conduct our little miracle or whatever he's going on about. And then you have the whole squad out with injuries again. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, you both picked things that are going to be memorable for a long time. Punt? I, I'd kind of gone slightly left field in so much as I've picked the win against Sheffield Wednesday and actually when Max Aarons um, scored the winner after Mario's sublime back heel because yes. although it wasn't the first time that we'd come back from a losing position since Project Restart, it was the first time think anyway or it felt like it um that we'd done so without the aid of the opposition so i saw that we'd done it against rotherham um was the only other time that i could remember but actually that was an own goal and a penalty so it didn't really feel like you know it was a proper proper comeback and we weren't really playing at our optimum then however the win against wednesday it was it felt very kind of again you know not you know i am harping back to 2018 19 a lot but it, it kind of felt as if that character was back, that, you know, that belief was back that actually it doesn't matter if you go 1-0 up, we're going to come back and we're going to beat you. And that's, you know, that's a really rare quality in a team and all of the Norwich sides that have done really, really well have had it. You know, if you look at Lambert and Worthington and you know, all of those teams, um, but it just felt like we'd regained it at that point. Yeah, I, th- I think that was, uh, it was one of those kind of relief um, celebrations from, a, from from all the players that the fact that, we deserved it so much and it had started to look like it wasn't going to be our night. Um, I think you, you sometimes get a particularly vociferous kind you know, when you nick one late and it's been a very even game, then obviously it's a rupturous celebration, but there's almost like a slightly angry, yes, about time. We totally deserved this. We would have been robbed if we didn't get this style celebration that comes from games that you've dominated and you haven't managed to actually pull clear yet. Um, or, or, you know, had to come from behind in, for example, when really you've been the only team playing any football. Um, so yeah, no, that was that was banging. Um, we had a really good uh, suggestion. Uh, uh, well, I say a really good su- suggestion. He's it, made it on the podcast, uh, so <laughs> maybe we'll leave it there. Um, Bear <laughs> Swift has suggested that we 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 rate the best Christmas pajamas, um, and they've even been kind enough to to give us a shortlist. So so punt, talk us through 
uh, talk us through the shortlist. Obviously, it's a visual medium, but um, is, is yeah, it a so pajama I'll, competition? I will retweet it. I'll retweet it now, just so I don't forget, on the Along Come Norwich account. Um, but we've got Onel in his kind of... Um, he looks like he's matching with his... I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his fiance or wife, but anyway, so it's it's kind of a red and white quite traditional christmas jumper but then it kind of flows into proper you know kind of um pajama bottoms as well it's um yeah it's all right it's it's not too bad you've then got the he's, pookies i think it's worth pointing out that he's color coded with the presence in the background they're also red and white and yeah. also um the special mention for the massive dog with a great big round head that is gorgeous yeah. that's part of that picture the pookies have then gone again for a matching set um you know, and they've gone for the whole family with uh, uh, Disney-related paraphernalia. But what is particularly brilliant, and Bear hasn't captured it, unfortunately, in his in his screen grab. But what's particularly brilliant, if you look at Pookie's um, Instagram account, is that the way he's positioned his eldest daughter is it looks like her leg kind of flows into his, and he's got a really, really teeny foot. So I'd I'd, I'd recommend giving that a look. Um, and you've also got Moritz Leitner promoting i mean in christmas pajamas promoting what appears to be some kind of vegan crisps um they are delicious crisps i mean i think i have had them before and i think they were nice but that's a shocker like really um and also he doesn't really look like mo lightner i can't put my put my finger on it it just does the hair i mean it's the fact that he's photoshopped yeah, it just yeah. is a bit. It's like you know, like you've got one of those like kind of Korean or Chinese smartphones, and they they've smoothed all the skin out and everything. You know, it's it's just a bit bizarre. But... I don't think uh, also the um, on that he's wearing a watch that you just wouldn't wear with those pajamas. Um, yeah. So so you wouldn't wear a smart metal watch against like soft, comfy pajamas. And going back to Pookie's one, <laughs> the, the lack of ironing is absolutely wonderful. I mean, it literally looks like he's pulled it out of the bottom of a laundry basket, and then just someone's taken a picture, and he's like, "Oh, dude, like I could I could could have ironed it at least." Um, so yeah, uh, right, uh, Maddie, uh, cast your vote. Who who's got the best Christmas pajamas? It's the Pookies, and you can forgive the ironing. He's you know he's got a newborn baby. No, that I'm. I was putting that as a positive. I was saying like that. That's really real, and that's like the polar opposite of Lightner posing with some crisps. They are good crisps, though. You've got to give Mo that. It further adds into the myth of Pookie looking like Lorny, though, because he rarely irons his clothes either. And with Maddie, I'd go for Pookie as well. Okay, well, I'll go with Pookie. So it doesn't matter what Lorny thinks, because that's that's three votes. So that that carries it. Um, So just to kind of slightly pivot, let's let's move towards the 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 more negative end of the spectrum. Um, what was the the biggest head in hands moment for you um, in in 2020? Um, what's the thing that that immediately springs to mind as when your heart sank more than any other time in a football related context this year? Starting with you, punt. I think it was it was almost this realization, and it was around the time. I mean, it's, it's COVID related, but it's football related. But it was around the time that we had Ed Wooden on the pod, um, and it, it was a really nice positive chat about the fact that that Tim Krull had um you know pretty much got us through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and you know the story around the the mysterious bottle and all that kind of stuff was was great fun but there was the undertone of that pod was this is all going to get called off soon you know uh, the, we're not going to have football for a while and yeah there was obviously there was you know much more serious and pressing issues you know and, and it was completely the right call but it was it's just a weird limbo state that we were all in and it wasn't necessarily a head in hands moment but it was just a, i don't know it was just completely bizarre and obviously 
doing the job I do, you know, it was in my vested interests for, for things to, you know, to get paused. Um, but at the same time, it's just, just a really weird time. And just punt I, is I a child catcher for anyone who doesn't yeah, know. So it absolutely. just makes it much easier because they're all at home. So it's yeah, easy yeah, to yeah. collect them all. Well, no, it makes it much harder because their parents are all, all around me. So, oh, I see. Okay. So yeah, it's, uh, much... yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because I actually thought you were going somewhere else. Um, when, uh, or, or rather the, the, my memory of, of that podcast in particular makes me think of something else, which is not necessarily a head in hands moment, but after we finished recording, when we were packing up the mics and the mixer, and everything, um, Ed said something along the lines of, um, so, you know, how, how are you lads feeling? And do you think we're going to do it? And we were all like, no. <laughs> and, and he was, he was, I don't know whether or not he was genuinely kind of surprised or whether he, whether they were so kind of, mo- he seemed, but he, he really didn't know what to say. Cause, because I don't know if he's been, people have just been saying to him, yeah, no, we'll do it. Yeah, go on, go on. But all three of us were like, nah, sorry. We, we, obviously, we'd love it. We'd absolutely love it. And we believe in you guys. And we tried to be as positive as we could. But there was there was zero kind of smoke blowing up anyone's bottom. It was literally like, nah, of course we're not. Fucked. we're going down. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course we're not going to win nine on the bounce or whatever. Um, yeah, that's, so that was, that was a bizarre thing because I don't think we've ever – been in a situation with someone and, and you know, fair play to the club for, for letting us have access to, to one of the one of the key members of the coaching staff especially one around the coaching uh the the penalty shootout with the water bottle and you know, someone who was able to give us a really good story around that and he was a great guest i'd love to get him on again um but yeah it's the only time we've really been around someone from the club when there's been such a kind of air of negativity and so it's the only opportunity we've ever had as very very amateur pundits to just be completely honest and say to someone's face no we think you're going to get relegated and it's all a waste of time do you remember that lads yeah i do i do and he was kind of steadfast that actually no there's a real belief in the camp it was brilliant that there was a real belief in the camp and, and they felt like you know that they could go and achieve um but they did i don't know it just felt ed was suggesting oh look we're not that far away and it's like fucking hell mate we're like six seven points off this like and there's no suggestion that our form is going to turn. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd been pretty woeful, um, you know, with, with notable exceptions throughout the whole of the season. Um, but, you know, I guess if you, if you are a prominent member of, of the coaching staff at any football club, you need to, to, to think in that way. That seems like so long ago, doesn't it, that we had Ed on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was brilliant. Uh, Absolutely you, brilliant. You, you, you still turned up to every pod, uh, Lawn. It was, it was a completely <laughs> different world. Um, uh, Maddie, uh, head in hands moment, football related, twenty twenty. Yeah, mine's pretty much the same as Punt. It was the moment um, Arteta got coronavirus because it's one of those things that I think you'll always remember where you were. And for me, my world still seemed pretty normal. I mean, I got a tattoo the day before football was called off. So, you know, I had someone right up in my... Of Mick Arteta. Was that why it's so memorable? (laughs) It was a premonition. So I've got a massive Arteta face on my wrist now, which, you know... Is he sneezing? (laughs) We will retweet a picture of that as well later on. Yeah, of course. Um, So it was just... You know, everything had seemed so normal and perhaps looking back, that was quite naive. And I'll always remember I was in this seminar and there were only about six of us because it was meant to be a 20 person class, but only six people had showed up. and We were like, oh, you know, get a grip. What are you talking about? And then suddenly I got that notification through saying Arteta's got coronavirus. And then about an hour later, everything was off. And it all just sort of hit me on the bus on the way home. Like, this is it. And this could be it for a long time because that same day, uni closed as well. So it was like, oh, football's gone. Uni's gone. 
And it was so clear then that if things did start, we wouldn't be there. So you had that fact of the FA Cup tie. And I remember in our group chat, we'd been making plans for, you know, what we were going to do and the banners and the designs. And then suddenly all of that was snatched away. So it almost made relegation just feel like, feel like nothing compared to mm. the feeling that we'd all just lost football. Lorne, I mean, you're, you're an eternal optimist, so you probably never had your head in your hands at any point. Well, I completely agree with, with Maddie that that whole sense of it all just sort of drifting away and then seeing absolutely no way that it could come back in any kind of recognisable form for such a long time. I remember having a conversation with somebody uh, in the local woods where we we're both walking our dogs and we we're talking about how they were going to have to postpone it until October. And at the time, October seemed so far away. It just seemed ridiculous to to not be able to go to football and do a thing that we all love doing for that huge length of time. And obviously now it's December, it's nearly January, there's still no real like guaranteed end in sight. So that whole sort of weekend where everything just ground to a halt and then the the sort of coming the weeks and stuff after that were just were just awful. I was going to chip in with, with mine, but I've just realised, and I wasn't sure, I've just checked, it was the 28th of December last year, so it doesn't count. Was it VAR? It was uh, Tottenham, yeah, it was the Tottenham oh, yeah. goal. That, that was the point at which, one, I knew we were getting relegated, and two, I knew that I wasn't going to enjoy Premier League football ever again. <laughs> because because it wasn't the it wasn't the Pookie goal, the head-in-hands moment was uh, the second goal we scored when I then didn't celebrate it because I was so worried about celebrating and not and it and it getting taken away from me. And that was the point that I was like, oh fuck. This is ruined. This is this is actually this is exactly what we've been worried about is happening and it's actually happened. I have just not celebrated an amazing goal, you know, in in a huge occasion that means something in the Premier League, in a in a relegation battle against a really big team. And I've not I'm currently not going nuts because I'm convinced that I'm gonna be it's gonna be taken away from me. And I think we're at a really uh, interesting point now, given that the Cantwell goal, you would have to say if the Cantwell goal had gone at VAR yesterday, it would have counted. I think we'd be all in complete agreement that we would absolutely rather that goal was disallowed to have the ability to celebrate goals oh, that do 100%. count. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I agree. I, I, I still maintain that, that the Championship is a, is a better league in terms of... Um, in terms of the, the VIR elements and in terms of the unpredictability of it. Um, and yeah, we, yes, obviously recently we, we win all the time. Well, for the last 10 years or so, we win all the time when we're in the championship or very often, but um, yeah, it's, it's that, that was, that was the moment when it, when I, it dawned on me that 2020 might be a terrible year. time for the Along Come Norwich quiz of 2020. Um, slightly different. We're going to see off this year with uh, three rounds of five questions, but everyone's going to get exactly the same questions and they're going to be playing along uh, with their pen and paper or their phone, however they wish to do it. Uh, and you can do so at home as well, dear listener. Um, and then we'll reveal the, the questions, at, the answers at the end um, of each round. So you've got the opportunity to maybe not get put off by a bad answer from punt or a silly suggestion from Maddie, and you can um, you can see how many you get. So um, we're going to kick off uh, with uh, the first round, which is 2020 Norwich stats. Now, um, as I always say, whenever I'm questioned, it's a it's a level playing field in that it's a sloping pitch for both teams. 
Um, and I have personally created each one of these from looking on the internet. So if you, so if you want to be, be crossed with anyone, be crossed with the internet. But no, the, but hang uh, on. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we just, if we just roll back a minute, you looked at the internet for last week's tiebreaker. And got a different answer to you. <laughs> no, no, but no, you got essentially what would have been the same answer because it said almost 29,000. No, but no, yeah, you it, took it, the number it, to 29,000. So as I say, it's the same for both. Fucking shambles, but <laughs> it's good to see that after after Christmas with your kids and and like two more Norwich games and all the rest of it, you still haven't moved past livid. Uh, and you and didn't and and you know Ed Balls was was such a good guest as well. So he was. I should have I, I should have just gifted him the win. That would have been the nice thing to do. But My he was word. so competitive he was about so it. So competitive. I was like, I, no, I, I can't just go halves or just give it to you. No, that's not that's not the way the game is played. Anyway, sorry. So get on with your shambles. Okay, right. So it's time for the Along Come Norwich Shambles 2020. Round one. Uh, pens at the ready or pencils. Number one, which player has started 33 Norwich games and made three full international appearances? Which player has started 33 Norwich games and made three full international appearances? So is this in 2020 as a calendar this is year? all in 2020 calendar year. 1st of January to the yesterday. Well, some of them were written today, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've stuck to league where possible and specifically he's pointed out where there's something that's in a cup or whatever. But these are all games. So all Norwich games, first team, grown up men, you know, the obvious first team people. So 33 Norwich games with three full international appearances. Have you got an answer at home? Good. Moving on. Question number two. Which player has started league games this uh, in this year, 2020, against Real Madrid? Valencia and Huddersfield. Which player has started league games this season against Real Madrid, Valencia and Huddersfield? Again, first team, grown-ups, men. Question number three. Who was the last Norwich player to be booked in a Premier League win? Now, this is a tester. Who was the last Norwich player to be booked in a Premier League win. The score was 2-1 and it was in 2020. Question number four. Who scored the last Premier League goal that Norwich conceded? Who scored the last Premier League goal that Norwich conceded? There's quite a few scored that day, but I'm after the, I'm after the final one. And number five, the last one in the Norwich stats round of the shambles. Besides QPR this week, who are the other three London teams Norwich have league draws with in 2020? So there have been four London teams that Norwich have league draws with in 2020. I want the three that are not QPR. You will not get a point for QPR. Just because you Google it and it says QPR punt, you will not get a point for QPR. So this doesn't... They're a London team. Hang on. So, hang on. You want the London teams or you don't want the London teams? I want London teams, but not counting QPR. I want the other three London teams Norwich have league draws with. So there are four in total. I'm giving you QPR because that was yesterday because I think even you would get that, Lorne. I think I've got these three. It's the only one I'm confident on. Mm, Fantastic. Doesn't include the FA Cup, only league. 
Um, so and I like the sneakiness of that last one. Thank you. Into the answers, and I will go round one at a time and then give you the answer each time. So we keep things swift. I hope you've all got answers at home. Off we go. Which player has started 33 Norwich games and made three full international appearances? Maddie, it's your player of 2020. What, Tim Krull? Tim Krull. Yeah, Tim Krull. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Who did you have? Not Tim Krull. Okay. <laughs> uh, which player has started league games against Real Madrid, Valencia and Huddersfield in 2020, John Punt? Contia, surely. Is correct, surely. Yes. Lordy, who was the last Norwich player to be booked in a Premier League win? It was Leicester, it was 2-1. Uh, I've made a guess. It was, one it was nil, one, I think. It was definitely 1-0. Oh, dear, dear. See, this is why Jesus I was a shamble. He used me when he said 2-1, so <laughs> I want half a point if I've got this yeah, one. I was baffled as well. But oh, I okay. guessed uh, oh, Stephen. It was, Jamal oh, really scored yeah. the winner, but I thought it was a 2-1 rather than 1-0. That's my memory rather than the Google bit. <clears throat> cool. I've gone Stephen, then. I is, reckon is, Hanley. Not... Hanley is correct. Yes. Oh, nice. Well done. Yeah, Hanley is correct. Who scored the last Premier League goal that Norwich conceded? Uh, Maddie. Mighty De Bruyne. It was. It was De Bruyne. His second of that day, I think. Um, but yeah, we lost 5-0 and that was the last one. Uh, finally, punt. Besides QPR this week, I repeat, I do not want the answer QPR. <laughs> Give me three London teams Norwich have league draws with in 2020. Uh, um, oh, in 2020. Oh, no, <laughs> Right, hang on, let me think. I've got two this season, it's Brentford and Millwall. Yeah, it's correct, um, correct. Oh, got to go a long way back. Yeah, I can't. January. Uh, too, too late. Palace. It was the 1st of January. It was Crystal Palace, correct. Uh, so I, I looked at this, actually came to me when I was looking at um, some other bits and bobs. And um, we actually have hardly drawn at all um, this year. We're just ma- mainly just losing and losing and winning. Um, obviously, mostly losing to start with and then mostly winning recently. So it was only Newcastle, Coventry and Preston. They're the only other three that we've drawn with. Um, when you take out the Man United and Tottenham, you know, games that we lost after extra time. Um, yeah, we're not really a very drawy team this year. Okay, how many out of five have you got, Maddie? We should get a point for each team, surely. Yeah, you do, yeah, of course you do. All right, okay, so it's not out of five then? Uh, sorry, no, so out of eight, seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six, yeah. So it's out of seven, I've got six. Punt? Five. Lawn? Five. That's all to play for then, especially with my scoring. Round two. <laughs> uh, this this is a round about 2020 sponsors. Question one. Who is the Norwich City back of shorts sponsor this season? So on the back of the right leg, I believe it is, uh, what is the brand that is on there? Who can forget? Well, probably quite. Uh, yeah, quite I think I've got this one. I think I've got this well one. Well done. I didn't know we um, that. Question number two. What logo is currently on the front of the Scums shirt? What logo currently adorns the Scums first team shirts? What do you mean what logo? As in what kit manufacturer? Uh, no, it's the, the people who are sponsoring them. But um, I didn't want to give a clue by giving the type of institution it was because company you know etc etc i didn't want to give it away so what logo yeah. i, I see what I you've done there parsley well done i'm not 100 percent sure the word 
the term sponsor is even right, etc. Yeah. So I thought, let's just go with logo. But yeah, you're very right, Lorne, that I, I could mean the manufacturer. Now, I mean the people who would normally go, tell you what, their version of uh, Betfair, their version of Flybee, their version of Digital Phone Company. Okay. This is fantastic quiz mastering. Is it? Question number three. Who is on the front of the QPR shirts this season? Again, referring to their sponsor. Now, this is yesterday, so you should remember this. Who is on the front of the QPR shirts this season? Number four, who currently get paid around £18 million for a stadium sponsorship deal from an insurance company? Which team currently get paid around £18 million for a stadium sponsorship deal from an insurance company? And finally, number five, what branding is emblazoned on the Carrow Road subs bench walls and roof this season? What branding is emblazoned on the Carrow Road subs bench walls and roof this season? I think it might be on their little seats as well. Okay, right. So the answers to Shambles Round 2, who is the Norwich back of short sponsor this season? Maddie is, of course. Maddie? She's on mute. You're on mute. Come on. Men's war paint. Uh, I'll give you half a point. Punt. War paint for men. War. I think it's just. I think it's just war paint. That means I have to give it. Give give it. It's war paint for men. Is is the name of the brand? The same thing, isn't it? It's just men. Okay. Any any mentions of the words war or paint? You can have. You can have a point. Um, uh, In fact, actually, I've just looked it up, and it says war paint. Makeup for men. Yeah, okay, I think so no points. No, I think a point for anyone who says anything <laughs> to do with war paint, um, apart from Lorne, who didn't write it down. Um, question number two: the logo on the front of the scum shirts. Does anyone know this? Yes, um, carers. Is it trust? Something like that. It is carers trust. Yes. So I wasn't sure whether or not they'd given that away, like or something, you know, in like a nice um, philanthropic tropic way which didn't seem very marcus edwardsy can um, i have a point for marcus evans because marcus evans contains all of the wo- all of the letters in the word care no number three who's on the front of the qpr shirts this season football index football index is right and a very ugly red logo on a blue and white shirt it is too um who currently get paid around 18 million pounds for a stadium sponsorship deal from an insurance company it's got to be bournemouth no oh menu Manu is correct. Aeon. Yeah. Um, so it's the figure. That's why I only guessed at Manu, but it's the it's the ridiculous yeah, it's, figure. Yeah, it's part of that. That's that it's one of their big uh, one of the things that makes up their package. They're still they still get the most in terms of overall kind of joined up corporate things. It was an article I was reading. Um, and finally, what Lugu can you see all over the uh, Carrow Road subs bench along alongside some ACN stickers? I didn't know this, but I went for Lotus. <laughs> Lotus is correct. Yeah, I guess Lotus. Yeah. Well done. How many points have you got? I think there's only five available that time. All five, boy. Well, very good. Nice. Lorne? Oh, dear. Maddie? <laughs> Three. Okay, so it uh, sounds from that that Punt has, has now taken a one-point lead after losing a point to uh, Maddie in the first round. So on to the final round. Round three of the 2020 Shambles, the final round of the quizzing for this year. 
I signed for MK Dons this year. Previously, I've played for Southampton, Wolves, Norwich and Bournemouth. Who am I? I signed for MK Dons in 2020. Previously, I played for Southampton, Wolves, Norwich and Bournemouth. Question number two. I signed for Swansea this year. Previously, I've played for Grimsby, Peterborough, Norwich and Wolves. I signed for Swansea in 2020. Previously, I've played for Grimsby, Peterborough, Norwich and Wolves. Question number three. I signed on loan for Stoke this year. Previously, I've played for Norwich and Southampton. I signed on loan for Stoke this year. Previously, I've played for Norwich and Southampton. Number four. I signed for Derby this year. Previously, I've played for Brighton, Feyenoord and Celtic. I signed for Derby this year. Previously, I've played for Brighton, Feyenoord and Celtic. And number five. I signed for Norwich this year. Previously, I've played for Port Vale, Tranmere and Hartlepool. I signed for Norwich in 2020, having previously made appearances for Port Vale, Tranmere and Hartlepool. Answers. Number one, Maddie, who have you got? Is it Sermon? It is Sermon. Andrew Ronald Edward Sermon is the correct answer. Uh, number two, Punt, who have you got? Rybem. Is correct. Sexy Bennett. Number three, who have you got, Lorney? Angus Gunn. Correct. Number four, who have you got, Maddie? Don't have a clue. Punt? No idea, mate. We played him the other day. Uh, he scored in the league the other day. Um, Lorney? No idea. It's Kazim Richards. Of course. Uh, and number five, um, who have you got, Maddie? Oh, is it Hugo? That's Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, right. lucky guess. Add them all up. How many have you got? Four. Yeah, four. Yeah, three. <laughs> well, I make that that you've all got roughly the same number of points, which takes us to an all important <laughs> tiebreaker. Shambles, oh, so, uh, but punt. Well done, you've won. You've you've won most of the quizzes this year, and uh, you've won that one by one point. Is it one either by one or two? I think you've won by one. Um, so well done. Although we will do the tiebreaker anyway. Um, What's the total number of goals scored in Norwich League games in 2020? So I counted this three times. So if it's wrong, well, what can you do? What's the total number of goals scored by Norwich or their opponents in league games in 2020? Norwich Come or into... their opponents? Not yet. So the, the total number of goals scored Blimey. and conceded. How many, how many games were there? Um, I need to push you for an answer, punt. Oh, you're coming to me first. Um... I'm going to say 97. Okay. Uh, Lorne, you suggest that you think that's very low. Oh, no, you think it's very high. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, well, I've changed my mind now. I'm going to say 112. (laughs) That's not that much higher. Okay. Uh, And Maddie, um, you're laughing, though, so obviously you think he's gone way too high. What do you think it is? I'm going for 140. Wowzers. Okay. That's too high. You were really, really close, punt, um, because you're you're good at this. It was it's actually ninety three. Ooh. Um. So that was a uh, that was a very good guess at, at ninety seven. So f- uh, it's uh, fifty in the league this season, and there were forty three since the first of Jan in the Prem. That was how I how I added it up, um, which means it's it's ninety three. Um, and on that note, um, that's the end of the quiz shambles for for this year. Um, 
We do hope that you've enjoyed listening. Thank you for spending a little bit of your New Year's Eve day in between bit uh, listening to us. Um, thank you very much, Maddie, for your time. Oh, yeah, cheers. Um, thank you very much for joining us again, Lorne. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, punt, yep. Cheers, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks ever so much. Happy New Year, my Hager. Hey